it's June 18th, 1994, and Fall Down by Toad the Wet Sprocket is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. Hello, and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Al. I'm Trav. I am Quillen. And this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the uh, Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April of 1994. Today we will be talking about Fall Down, the lead single from Toad the Wet Sprocket's fourth album, Dulcinea. Fall Down is one of two hit singles from Dulcinea, and it spent six weeks at number one. Here's a clip. So my friend Scott Wiedemeyer had a copy of this album. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that I borrowed it and tape recorded it. And the only thing that really stands out to me in my memory was that there was this mention of Yuri Geller's spoons. You all know anything about Yuri Geller? I don't think I do. Uh, No. Yuri Geller claimed to be a mentalist, like he could do he could manipulate physical objects with his mind so he had a traveling show where he would bend spoons with his brain he was a real neo he was a real neo he took the blue pill yeah something like that yeah but that has nothing to do with this song what do you all think of this song (laughs) why was this song number one for six weeks it is kind of surprising, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's very pleasant. It's. F- I agree. It's fine. It's 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 not bad. Buzzkill. <laughs> it's not bad. No way, man. It's uh, it's 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 great. They uh, you know, Toad can come through with a, a great single. They're a great singles band. All of their singles, I got nothing bad to say about them. Yeah. I will say this introduces a particular type of band that was not uncommon in the years before this that just kind of did rock music, sometimes with a little bit of like a, not necessarily like the the Kurt Cobain model of front man, but just like a mild-mannered guy playing, playing some guitar rock, and it sounds good. It's a good-sounding song. Yeah, I think... Um... I think the melodies were always especially good and somewhat complex. Um, it seems like there was a lot of thought that went into them. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's what made the band special. If they're, if they're special, that's, that's what's special about them. They've got some special singles. Yeah. But this song is not exactly like representative of toad the wet sprocket this this is toad the wet sprocket on cocaine they are unleashed (laughs) compared to their other singles 
it, it yeah. rocks it like more. on a cocaine and, on cocaine <laughs> and driving 55 miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> they have absolutely thrown caution to the wind on this song and are playing yeah. above 140 beats per minute. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this is probably my least favorite to the West Brockett single. I think I agree with that. Yeah. So let's give a little background on the band because they are an unusual, they have an unusual story. Um, this band formed in 1986. And Glenn Phillips, the lead singer, was 15 years old. And if you watch the video for this song, he looks like he is still 15 well, years he, old. Well, he definitely looks substantially younger than everybody else in the band, especially he does. the bassist. And I, Yes, it looks like there is like a teenager mm. sweating profusely. Yeah, the matted the down hair. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, we'll get into the video later, but I actually don't think there's a big age difference between the members of the band. So Glenn Phillips was 15 when they started. They didn't really have much success until 1991 when they released the album Fear. And that album, I'll tell you, has some singles uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) all i want incredible and and walk on the ocean doesn't get any better but i gotta say in particular all i want i mean what is so good about all i want how is that song so good um yeah uh, the chord changes, uh, the, the, the chorus where they kind of like exchange the vocal parts um, between the harmonies with the other guys and Glenn Phillips kind of bouncing back and forth. The guitar uh-huh. leads, like the like pinnacle of melodic guitar playing. All I want is on the Mount Rushmore of 90s alternative singles. Yeah, you, you take all your, your gin blossoms, your, I don't know what else, your Delamitri, <laughs> your, uh, um, even your Lemonheads, and you put them all together with your pleasant early 90s alternative hits, and all I want has got to be the king. I wouldn't know. There's... <laughs> <laughs> I think there's, there's, I think the gin blossoms have some arguments to be made. Um, also, I think you throw a better than Ezra song or two up there. I thought about this actually huh. when I thought about All I Want because I, I, I know that's not even the song we're discussing, but like thinking about like what are the absolute best songs um, from this particular, um, I don't know if it's a subgenre of alternative music or you know a, a type of alternative college rock. Yeah, yeah we, we need to. We, it would be helpful for us to name this. We, we don't have to do it this episode, but maybe we should be thinking about it. What is this sweet uh, acousticy mid '90s alternative rock subgenre? Again, we don't yeah, have to do it this yeah. this episode, but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll have to think about it. But yeah, I mean, getting back to the song, um, I think uh, I think the the guitar, the twanginess is uh, kind of jumps out at you a little bit. There's something. Um, I think they're a California band. Is that right? Uh, I don't remember. They seem they seem like a California band. 
they seem very like uh like Starbucks intellectual like granola uh type and I, I I know that sounds hmm. disparaging, and I don't mean that because I love I love Toad the Wet Sprocket. I think they're great, but but that twice. is what they that is what they sound. But like that now. is what they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the second time I saw him, I'm pretty sure Glenn Phillips was barefoot. Um, performing. Wait, you've seen Toad the Wet Sprocket twice? Yes. And the f- <laughs> okay, you might need to yeah, explain. Yeah. So that. I, I I don't know why we went the first time, but we, you know I I went with my wife and we got uh we got seats in the balcony. And it was life changing, if only to sit down at a concert. I'm at that stage in my life. <laughs> it's the where, best. Um, it's the best. Oh my god! I did it, and uh, it just changed everything. I'm like, I, I never want to stand up again. This it's a requirement perfect. for me now for concerts. And for and for such a pleasant, uh, you know, gentle band. Um, yeah. To 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 watch, it was just it was perfect. Um. I know that the internet has a fair amount to say about this song, and Trav, we've talked about this a little bit, but I went to a little website called songmeanings.com <laughs> to see what people had to say about this song. And user Rusty Manhood. Oh, dear God. Oh, Rusty. Uh, has the top voted interpretation. He says, Dude, this song is so about the life of the walking dead, of drug addicts. Maybe you need the perspective of an addict or someone who has been close to that lifestyle or known people in it to really see it. But if you read the lyrics with that in mind, I think it becomes almost unmistakable. So I can get that. I I understand why someone might think it's about drug use. Uh, User Kenzai says... I'm thinking this is a team of bank robbers doing it for the thrill again and again. Wow. That's a bit of a stretch. But I, I do think that it could be read as being, you've got some thrill seekers who have uh, a rude awakening yeah. coming to them. When, when will we fall down? Uh, two users say that it's about their specific breakup or divorce, that they think of this song uh, when they think of their breakup or divorce. And one of them has the username <laughs> Doodle. Not as good as Rusty Manhood. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rusty Manhood is probably our top song meaning. So far. Yeah. Definitely. Username yeah. so far. Yeah. Um, I had uh I had checked out YouTube on the uh the video page and there were a couple of comments uh-huh. that jumped out to me. <clears throat> uh the first was from a user named Bo Gonzalez. And he said, quote this always reminded me of my ex Lisa, a beautiful junkie. R.I.P. Baby. <laughs> Some people have to, uh, you know, put their tributes down on, on YouTube. <laughs> on the comment section is a shout out. Um, the second. That's where I'm going to write your, uh, your eulogy. <laughs> Thank you. It's all going to be a YouTube comment on the song. Uh, I don't know, Love and Done. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, boy. Uh, one more. I got a second YouTube comment from someone named Chris- Christopher Bischel from five years ago. And he said, quote, TWS would kick REM's f- ass in a street fight on a cold quiet <laughs> night this time of year 
This is very specific. <laughs> this time of year. What was the month that the, what was the month <laughs> that that comment was posted? Year. Do you know, Trev? Did not say. Ah, uh, dang. Let's talk yeah. about REM for a minute. Does this have a driver eight vibe for you, Trev? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think uh I think this is definitely an REM uh um you know uh inspired band. Mm-hmm. Specifically, a mid '80s Pete Buck yeah. lead yeah. line. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like uh, something that would have been on uh, Fables of the Reconstruction. Maybe. Agreed. Yeah. I think that's a good call. This was featured on the Drop Zone soundtrack. Either Never. I don't seen know Drop what, Zone? what Drop Zone is. The it, Drop Zone or the Drop Zone? Uh, I watched it somewhat recently. Although I, I will admit, I didn't finish it. Um, it stars Wesley Snipes oh, and Gary Busey. And it's part of the post-Point Break skydiving mm-hmm. action movie trend. Makes sense. So um, Point Break, obviously, top 10 greatest movies of the 90s. Sarah would say top one movie of the 90s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Johnny Utah and company have got some, some great thrills and yeah, chills it's to great. offer. I just saw it for the first time uh, a couple of years ago, actually. And it was, it was wonderful. Yeah, it's yeah. good. So Drop Zone came out in 1994. The other skydiving movie from 1994 was Terminal mm-hmm. Velocity. I don't mm-hmm. know much about that one. Um, the rest of the soundtrack is not really stuff that's really relevant to us. There's an NXS song on there, but it's mostly not mm-hmm. our genre. Drop Zone, the, the action sequences are inferior to Point Break, and so I, I kind of ended up feeling pretty quickly when I watched it that I didn't need to continue. I was going to add that uh, it was also on an episode of My So-Called Life. Um, yes, oh, really? with Spin the Bottle uh, by Juliana Hatfield 3, oh, wow. uh, Down, About it, Down About It by The Lemonheads, and Drop a Bomb by Matt Rose. And if I would have seen this uh, during that time in my life, I, or this time in my life, uh, my head would explode. That's, that's quite a uh, soundtrack for a single episode mm-hmm. of yeah. Music video. My number one note is not a photogenic band. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, bassist looks like a, a mix of. George Lucas and Kevin Smith. <laughs> love, okay. I love his look. <laughs> That's literally all I have to say about it. Uh, mine was that I felt like it was too literal. Hmm. They're at a dance contest, and everyone's falling down. Ugh. You're right. I, I don't. Right. I don't know if I can work with that. And but it's got some kind of circus sideshow master of ceremonies, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does like a carnival barker type figure. Yeah, I mean, I'll be curious to see if we were to, when we finish this podcast and we get to 1999, what percentage of music videos that we've watched will have some kind of carnival sideshow vibe? Why was this such a trend in the 90s? 
That's a great point. And it also kind of inspired like Lollapalooza, right? I mean, that was that was yep. sort of like a conceived mm-hmm. as like a, a carnival circus kind of thing. Yeah, I get a celebration of being a quote unquote freak mm-hmm. because maybe by extension, we can say celebrating being a nonconformist, uh, celebrating outsiders. But there's something about the imagery that people really latched onto. Um, Glenn Phillips does look super young. He has a pretty bad yeah. haircut. He is yeah. sweaty. He's slouching. Do, do you think that he gelled his hair down that way? Go easy on him, guys. Jeez. I think it's flop sweat. <laughs> I think he's so uncomfortable under the camera that he's just, hmm. just drenched. That's, that's sad. I don't know. I don't know for sure, but definitely not a band that, uh, is going to receive big benefits from, uh, Music video mm-hmm. production. Mm-hmm. Anything else about the video? No, I didn't like the video, and I don't. I the few videos of theirs that I've seen, I'm not really sold on. I don't really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're cool or fun or interesting. Um, especially not for such great songs. The album Dulcinea went platinum. Really? Oh. Wow. Did yeah, it did well. Uh, which means I think it's time for us to talk about the other single from this album, the one that did not hit number one, but I'm curious if you agree is the superior single, which is something's always wrong. Absolutely. It's uh, it's a great song. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, so when I listened to Toe the Wet Sprocket, there's actually a compilation. I think it's called PS and it's just like, it's just awesome. Like, Especially, like, I guess it starts to kind of fade away after eight or nine songs. But, um, yeah, it's just everything, just stacked. And I, I always prefer listening to that. Um, I listened to Dulcinea, and it didn't, it didn't blow me away. But it, wasn't, it also wasn't as bad as I expected. Um, I think the mm-hmm. album tracks are always just a little bit underwhelming. Uh, there's a song called Stupid that, that kind of stood out to me. Um, uh-huh. I thought there were some interesting things happening with that. Quillen had actually checked in with me about a band that he likes being influenced by Tilda Wet Sprocket. And uh, I was really interested in that. I, I, was, I, maybe I was about to go there. <laughs> Good. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I... <laughs> I thought this album was so incredibly boring. Uh, I I don't like it. Um, I listened to it once, and uh, that was enough. But the one standout track was a song called Windmills, which is a ballad, Mm -hmm. an acoustic guitar ballad, uh, wistful, um, very, like, sentimental-sounding, beautiful. Uh, And it very much reminds me of a a Christian uh, band called Jars of Clay. Uh, <laughs> who I recently revisited there, uh, I think 1995 uh, album, self-titled album. Um, and, and I read on Wikipedia that uh, members of the band Jars of Clay basically got together over a mutual love of Toad the Wet Sprocket. Um, I think uh, one of the members was wearing a Jars of Clay t-shirt uh, or was wearing a Toad the Wet Sprocket t-shirt at a gathering and they bonded over this. And uh, 
uh, formed Jars of Clay, which uh, this album sounded less like Jars of Clay than I expected. Um, there was more more rock guitar than I, I anticipated. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, Jars of Clay is better than Toad the Wet Sprocket. So <clears throat> I thought that was, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that to me, and so I, I checked out the Jars of Clay album, which I was somewhat familiar with. And got through it, and then I listened to Dulcinea, and it made Toad the Wet Sprocket sound like Lou Reed and Lemmy, and uh, <laughs> basically like, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it was pretty edgy. Yeah, it was it was really edgy. Yeah. Hey, Jazz of Clay, pretty pretty safe. Uh, you know, they they were Christians. They they were Christians singing about their faith, uh, not in a preachy way, according to them, and. Uh, uh, you know, you 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 gotta respect uh, the JOC. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, we we can. Uh, it, I know Flood is not a single on our list that we'll be covering, but uh, uh, uh I'll stand. Well, by. two songs. Two th- <laughs> Two songs. I think it's worth saying a little bit more about. Um, something's always wrong. Is it has such a a wonderfully sad tone. The guitars nail it. The vocals nail it. It's just a perfectly mopey rainy day song. Which song and is this? Something's always wrong. Oh, okay. It's the next single off of this album. Um, not flood by not, Joseph Clay. I did not, not write about. down. Where it peaked on the chart. Oh, yes, I did. Number nine on the modern rock chart. Mm. It, it peaked. Uh, it's wonderful. I don't know if Fly From Heaven was a single, but that's the first track. And it's one of those, it's one of the really the quintessential bad versus good chorus songs. Mm, agreed, yeah. yeah. Um, the very first seconds of the, of the album are so discouraging. There's like this bass going, and it's like, okay, well, let's see what happens. And Glenn Phillips comes in. He says, Paul is making me nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's not a good way to start a record. (laughs) Paul is making me nervous. But gosh, they get to this chorus and it's beautiful. It's such a lovely melody on Fly From Heaven that is totally, if you've never listened to this album, it is worth just taking a listen to Fly From Heaven. Hmm. Um, well, that would explain the sweating yeah. in the video. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. The album title is an allusion to Don Quixote. Hmm. I guess I've never read it. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I guess there's a lot of stuff about perception in Don Quixote. And I actually, after being pretty familiar with this artwork in this album in middle school, I had to take a second look and I had always known that there's like a, a vase on the cover. I hadn't realized that it's like the classic optical illusion where the vase is the center of attention. But if you look, there are faces formed by either side of the vase. So that was my big revelation from, this uh this time around hmm. so it is curious to see glenn phillips is definitely somebody who's got some spiritual and intellectual stuff on his mind but ultimately i just want to hear those sad love songs 
Yeah, I'm really pleasantly surprised to hear that we're on the same page about Toad. Um, I didn't, you know, I would think, I, I think it's easy to say that like uh, something's always wrong is a bit too melodramatic and, um, you know, intentionally sort of a, a downer. But uh, yeah, I think you, you said it, you explained it well. Oh, it's just kind of a perfect uh, rainy day song that uh, mm -hmm. nails that mood really nicely. You need anything? Trafe? No. <laughs> I haven't burped into the mic yet. I really want to. Tim Heidecker encourages me that uh, to burp into a microphone. All right, and we're back. Uh, let's take a look at the other charts from Billboard this week. Uh, they're exactly the same as they've been for the last several episodes. <laughs> On the top of the mainstream rock charts yet again, it's Shine by Collective Soul. It's mind-blowing to me. And it's mind-blowing to me that that, of all songs... It's having such a strong run. G give me a second. Talk a little bit more, and I'll tell you how many weeks it spent on top of the chart. Um, yeah, what's another water. single from... What's the album called? It's called, like... Uh, Hints, Allegations, uh, and yeah. Things, things Left, left Unsaid. I don't yeah. know of any other singles from that album. I, don't I was there. pretty familiar with that band... And I don't think there were any other hits. The only other song that I remember at all from that album was called Good Night, Good Guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Good title. Uh, Alec, do you remember the day that we found out that Smashing Young Man was a diss track towards Billy Corgan? Oh, yeah. That was such a, that was, that was a revelation. That was wonderful. All right, Shine only spends eight weeks on the top of the mainstream <laughs> rock chart. But it's curious. It, I think that the mainstream rock chart, songs last longer at number one mm. on the mainstream rock chart than they do on the modern rock chart. And I think that maybe, the, gosh, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I might be talking out of my butt here, but the, I think it might be that on pop radio and on the mainstream rock radio, they might have, because they were slightly more commercial, commercially lucrative. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that they might have tended a little more towards homogenization than the modern rock charts did. Mm. Like maybe a smaller number of songs in rotation and being played more frequently. I don't know. That's uh, just a theory. On the other hand, I swear by all for one is uh, still on top of the pop chart, and that is six, seven, eight, nine, ten, yeah. eleven that, that weeks makes, That makes I much swear. more sense to me than Shine. Um, all right, let's take a look at the modern rock charts. Uh, a lot of things are not too different. Uh, we do see Offspring climbing up, and they're going to be with us next week. Right next week? Yeah, yeah, they'll be with us next week. A little Sonic Youth single called Bull in oh, the Heather is at no number kidding. 13. Ooh. I don't remember hearing Sonic Never. Youth ever on the radio, Never. do you? No. Yeah, Bull in the Heather's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Uh, Tori Amos is appearing with Cornflake oh. Girl. I don't know her history well enough to know. Is this her first Fresh With uh, Success? 94? I, I don't either. Um, I haven't had my Tori Amos phase yet. I expect that it'll happen <laughs> yeah. at some point in my life, but it hasn't happened yep, yet. Jawbox did a cover of Cornflake Girl on uh, uh-huh. one of the albums. Every once in a while when I'm thinking of sort of trying to fill the void of new Kate Bush material in my in my heart, I sometimes wonder if Tori Amos is at least slightly in that category. Mm. But I don't know. Um, Prayer for the Dying by Seal wow. is on the alternative chart. Huh. Mm-hmm. That seems strange. Uh, a song that's coming up uh, at number one on the mainstream chart, Stay by mm. Lisa Loeb, is new on the modern rock Jam. chart. Great. Jam of jams. Amazing. Yeah. incredible song. Yeah. Uh, and a brand new song at the very end of the chart in number 30, Sabotage oh, nice. by the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Another memorable uh, 90s baseline, right? Yeah. Yes, memorable 90s baseline and I got to say I think I've shared this with Travis before. The clip of Beastie Boys playing that song oh, on Letterman. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That'll get your blood <laughs> boiling. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Almost as much as this fast-paced song Yeah, by almost. <laughs> not quite, not quite. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Toad 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 gets the nod there. The sabotage of Dulcinea. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is the sabotage of Dulcinea. <laughs> uh, let's rate this yeah, thing. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, uh, Toad Rules. Um, this is their worst single, but still four out of five jars of clay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it a fair amount. I'm going to give it three and a half jars of clay. Wow. Trev, you read my mind. I was going to use Jars of Clay as, as my mantra. <laughs> um, all right. I did not care for this album at all. Uh, this was the second best song on it. And I will still give it 2.75 Jars of Clay. It's like just a smidge right. above mediocrity for me. Sorry, bros. Okay. That's all right. Uh. Is Toad the Wet Sprocket a Nirvana wannabe? No. 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 So, so far, our narrative of uh, radio being dominated by these Nirvana wannabes is definitely seeming like. Maybe A, A, we haven't gotten there yet, and B, maybe it's more representative representative in the uh, um, mainstream rock charts. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Well, you can email us about upcoming songs at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. Ideally, that email would be a short voice memo about a song that's coming up further down the line. You can uh, figure out what we're going to talk about by listening along with our playlist on Spotify or Apple Music. And, uh, Trav, um, I got, <laughs> I gotta say, is that hoodie a little discolored? 
Um, I, I don't know. Why do, why do you say that? It kind of looks like you might have mixed colors in that load of laundry. <laughs> you know what you got to do with colors in the laundry. Uh, yeah. Do you... <laughs> what? What do you have to do? <laughs> you got to keep them separated. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's right. Next week, we'll be talking about Come Out and Play by The Offspring. All right, bye. Bye. Good goodbye. Hey guys, it's Emily. Um I wanted to kind of share a memory I have on the Green Day album Dookie. Amelia and I, in high school, we used to buy CDs together, and one of us would get the original physical CD, and the other person would get the physical case, the original case, and then we would, I don't know how we did it, but we'd make a photocopy of the uh, artwork, or we would draw them and put them in, like, blank CD cases that we had, Um, and I remember for Dookie, she got the original artwork, and I got the photocopy, I got the original CD. Uh, And I remember being really disappointed because the artwork was so cool on that. It was really intricate. I don't know. It had a lot of details. It was like a Where's Waldo situation. And I have no memory of what the music was like whatsoever.